You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Throw to second base. Tim is off the bag. And then to go sailing wide at third. Here comes Tim Anderson. The Sox win as the Mariners sling it all over the ball yard. You're finished. Golfed into right by Santander. Oh, that pitch was on the dirt. And it's on to the flat courts. You're finished. Good morning, Vancouver. 601 on a Thursday. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. A-Dog, good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. You had a wry little grin on your face there, Laddie, when you were playing the M's, booting the ball around in the infield yesterday. Well, I played the Jays losing, too. They're both finished. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> Alfred and Brown of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour one of the program. Hour one is brought to you by Johnstone's Barbecues. You don't pay more to shop with the experts at Johnstone's Barbecues. No, no. They're open five days a week with two locations to serve you. Visit them online at johnstones.com. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintech.net. Another great show in terms of guests. Adog has just been killing it, especially for August. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no days off. There's no dog days of summer for you, a Ironically, it's making me work harder. The it, fact that they're the dog like, days of summer. Yeah, 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 I actually have to try. Yeah. <laughs> At least it comes with a big raise, right? <laughs> when hockey's in on, I'm like, oh, man, I got to find other guests. Ugh. And you've done a tremendous job. I By, by the way, uh, before you get to the guest list. Yes. I laughed at least three or four times just to myself. When I was remembering what Adog said yesterday when he said, my life is a what we learned segment. Every day. Every day I'm learning something new. Incredible. And not like, uh, in like, not obvious stuff, but stuff you should probably know. Like Like, Jakarta. Like the city of Jakarta. And people may be like, oh, what did he know about Jakarta? Like where it was? Or he's like, no, that it it was a city. That it existed. If you were to to tell a regular person that you learned something about your job, they'd be like, where do you work? You'd be like a sports radio station. They'd be like, oh, so you're learning cool factoids about sports. And you're like, nope, geography. Yep, mostly. Geography. Yep. Uh, We do have a big show. Anyway, A-Dog did a great job booking guests. It starts at 630. Dan Shulman. Dan's going to do double duty today. We're going to talk about the Jays. Because, of course, he is the play-by-play voice of the Toronto Blue Jays. We're also going to talk about Canada at the FIBA World Cup, which gets underway on Friday in a very weird term because the tournament is being played in Indonesia and Japan and the Philippines. Canada's first game, the start of it coincides with the start of our show, mm-hmm. the rare 6 a.m. Pacific time start time. Which is going to be great. I'm getting a little frustrated with some of these start times that we've been having to watch sports. Oh, you mean the Women's World Cup? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah Too yeah, early. Yeah. 6 a.m. is not bad. Mm-hmm. 3 a.m., eh, it's no bueno. But Dan's going to join us at 6.30 to talk about the Jays and then, of course, Canada at the FIBA World Cup. 7 o'clock, J.D. Bunkus, uh, a fan favorite here in Vancouver. He's, of course, from Leafs Talk and the J.D. Bunkus podcast. Austin Matthews becomes the highest-paid player, at least in terms of average annual value, in the NHL yesterday. 
course, the contract doesn't kick in for another year, but he signs yesterday. We'll talk to J.D. about that, what that means for him, what it means for William Nylander, what it means for the core four. We'll talk to J.D. about that at 7 o'clock. Here's a cool guest. 7.30, Jerome Pickett is going to join the show. If you don't know that name, that's okay. He is the former chief security officer of the National Basketball Association. So with that title, we're like, let's bring him in to talk about this Knicks-Raptors thing. But he also spent almost two decades with the United States Secret Service. Mm-hmm. He had a very high-profile job. He, uh, he got like a, an, a Medal of Valor uh, for his work at 9-11. That is so cool. Like he yeah, did, yeah. yeah like he's, an, he's done important things. I almost want to hear more about his Secret Service stories than the NBA stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I, like, <laughs> I honestly feel like this is, in terms of job importance, we are so far out of our league. He's done real things for real people that yeah, matter. Yeah, yeah. No, right. Like, yeah, yeah. We teach Andy like the capital of Indonesia, <laughs> <laughs> right? And then someone plays a mook out button. That's it. That's all we've got. <laughs> He's going to be halfway through the show. He's like, I regret doing this. But Jerome Pickett is going to join us at seven thirty <laughs> to talk about a variety of things because we're going to. You know what we're going to do at the show? I'll take a moment here. Uh, we're going to start venturing more and more into just talking to interesting people. Maybe they will be tangentially related to the world of sports. Sometimes maybe they won't. Mm-hmm. Like Chris May, I thought was a very interesting. He was, he was course, excellent, wasn't he? He was the general manager from BC Place, and in his past life, he was part of the circus. I'm not joking. He was with Cirque du Soleil, and he took it to places like Lebanon. Like, that's a pretty cool yeah. thing. Not like a performer or anything. but No, yeah. He was, he was one of those shirtless guys that balance on another shirtless guy. <laughs> <laughs> if you've seen Cirque, you know what I'm talking about. Anyway. They get paid six-figure salaries for that. They do. Uh, we're getting off topic. Uh, 7.30, Jerome Pickett's going to join us. 8 o'clock, one of the best names in the industry, Tyler Dragon, is going to join us. Uh, he is an NFL writer for USA Today. But uh, I also found out that Tyler, in a previous life, uh, what? I'm just laughing. You're doing a lot of research, depth research into these guys. They're interesting people. I don't know what to tell you. Tyler Dragon's an interesting guy. Tell us about Tyler Dragon. He was a discus thrower, Division I athlete at UCLA and Howard University. Mm. So I'm going to ask him, because our guy from Nanaimo, what's his name again? Evan Katzberg? Is that it? Uh, We're trying to get him on the show. He's the world record holder in the hammer throw. Ethan, I think. Ethan, sorry. Uh, The world record thrower in the hammer throw right here from Nanaimo. So I want to ask Tyler all the stupid questions I have. Like, do the throwers mm-hmm. in track and field, like, hang out together? Okay. Like, you got throwers, like javelin, discus, hammer. Mm-hmm. You got jumpers, right. long and high. Or what, maybe there's a there's a hierarchy of the throwers. Yeah, that's what I want to know. Do, do the hurdlers go with the jumpers or the runners? Good question. What about speed walkers? Right. How do they fit into everything? Are they, they like, the, are they the, the dorks of the track and field tour? Without knowing the answer, yes. <laughs> <laughs> 100%. Uh, 8.10, Rick Dollywall is going to join the program. Donnie and Dolly's going to join us here on the Halford and Bruff Show. Uh, we'll talk about the Elias Pettersson situation. I believe he talked to everybody involved with the Elias Pettersson uh, mm-hmm. negotiation or non-negotiation as it was. He reached out to you, right? I reached out to him. Okay, other way around. Anyway, Dolly's going to join us at 8.10. Tyler Dragon at 8 o'clock. 7.30, it's Jerome Pickett. 7 o'clock, J.D. Bunkus. 6.30, Dan Shulman. It's a big show. We have a lot to get to, but it was a big day yesterday. We have a lot to get to as well. Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? What happened? 
What Happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance, making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. I noticed in the notes you had a, like a PSA or even a warning yeah. to our listening audience. What was that? There's going to be some Toronto talk on this show, both the Maple Leafs and the Blue Jays. Again, there's going to be some Toronto talk on this show, both the Maple Leafs and Blue Jays. You do not need to text in and let us know that you're happy, unhappy, listening, or not listening. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you, listeners. The Toronto Maple Leafs have signed center Austin Matthews to a four-year contract with a $13.25 million cap hit. Mm. That is a lot of money, folks. Matthews, who is 25 years old and has spent the entirety of his career in Toronto, is already in a contract that pays him quite well, $11.6 million per year. So there's one year left on that. Once that finishes and the new contract starts, he will surpass Nathan McKinnon as the highest paid player in the National Hockey League. Is Austin Matthews your favorite player in the NHL simply because he won't sign long-term contracts? Yep. I got a lot of respect for what he's doing here. <laughs> I, I really do wonder if this is going to be a trend uh, among some of the players and the superstars in the NHL. And we can talk about Pedersen in just a while because he threw out the possibility that he might sign a short-term contract. Um, now, he is taking a risk of sorts. Um, I was chuckling a little bit reading some of the articles about Matthews about how savvy he was to right. sign these short-term contracts, setting himself up for yet another big contract when he's around the age of 30. So, for example, he still got that contract that J.T. Miller signed to go, and he's Austin Matthews. Yep. So super savvy to be able to max out every one of his contracts uh what happens if he gets hurt or his play deteriorates like there is a reason (laughs) there is a reason why so many of these players like a Connor mcdavid has signed these eight-year deals Mm -hmm. it's because that money is going to you you're gonna get it it's kind of like um you know I, i hope that austin matthews stays healthy but I actually do have questions about his health. He had a bunch of injuries last year. Um, they weren't necessarily ones that would keep him out of the lineup, but they're like nagging injuries. Sure. Um, and, you, and I've heard from a few people back in Toronto, like they're like, "Yeah, that guy's like, he's not 100% healthy." And I think he, I think frankly, he played like it last season. Was he still a good player for the Leafs? Yeah, of course he was. But was he as good as the year before when they won the Hart Trophy? No. I think there was a significant drop-off. Now, the good news to me in this, and that I don't want anyone to get hurt or to have their career shortened, is that he obviously feels confident in his health if he's able to sign these short-term deals. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, unless he's planning to retire at 30, which I don't think he is, he's obviously confident enough that he can stay healthy enough to still be a really, really top player in the NHL and then sign another contract. Yeah, without going too far down the road of a debate that or conversation, maybe not debate because we're not exactly arguing it, but um, I get it. I get exactly what you're saying. That is a totally valid point because I often just use the NBA comparison when talking about contract length, right? But there's a significant difference between, and let's just be honest here, 
the physicality of the National Hockey League and the sport of hockey as opposed to the National Basketball Association, the sport of basketball. Yes, basketball is very taxing on your body, and yes, there's guys that get injured all the time. But let's be honest, there's probably a greater risk of injury playing the sport of hockey 82 games a year than playing the sport of basketball. I'll say that confidently. You can prove me wrong, children, if you want, but I'll say it confidently. That being said, the mechanism in the NBA is you can't sign more than a four-year contract. That's the max length as, you know, is negotiate. Is it four or five? Maybe it's five with yeah. the, the player option or okay. the, the team option. Regardless, it's not eight, mm-hmm. right? And that's kind of where you run into these contracts. Like I heard someone on the radio the other day talking about uh, Ryan Ellis with the Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah. He's played, I think, four games for the Flyers in the last year, year and a half. Mm-hmm. And he's basically done. They're, they're saying that this injury that he has might not be able to either be surgically repaired or rehabbed. And that's an eight-year contract that's going on. And it's just sitting there. And yeah, you can LTIR it and whatever, but back to Matthews. Uh, when this contract expires, he'll have earned $114 million and he'll be 31 years old. Meaning he could probably tack on another sizable contract. That's great. And it also gives him the flexibility to move. It also gives the Toronto Maple Leafs the flexibility to move if after this contract, this next one expires, it hasn't happened. And by it, I mean winning a Stanley Cup. Because I think that's the big, number one, primary thing that's going to be attached to this contract and to Austin Matthews now. You're the highest paid player in hockey. You will have played, I think it's going to be 12 years as a Toronto Maple Leaf by the time your next contract is done. So have you won a cup? Mm-hmm. Are you the leading scorer? Because he could very well be by the time it's all done. Were you or are you the best player in franchise history? Those are all viable conversations to have because he's the highest paid player in hockey right now. Um, at the risk of, um, like, I don't, I don't want to take Austin Matthews down because I think he's a really good player, but that's that says a lot about the Leafs franchise history that, Austin Matthews could be the greatest player in Leafs franchise history, don't you think? Uh, I do. Yeah. I mean, but we've talked about this before. Like, yeah. Laddie, being from Ontario, Ontario, what, uh, if, if I was to say who's the greatest player in Leafs history, who's the first one that pops to mind right away? Sittler? Keon? 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 Yeah. He gets a lot of praise. Doug Gilmore? More recently? Uh, it's not yeah. a slam dunk. Matt Sundin? Who were the guys when they were winning cups? I don't even know. Like yeah. it's it's way before it's way my time. Before your time, yeah, I wasn't a Leafs fan. But they yeah. aren't celebrated. Like if you were in Montreal and you grew up in Montreal, yeah. you'd be like, I know about Rocket Richard, well, Bobby Bond, right? I know about, Bond, right? I know about Jean Beliveau. Yeah, who? Yeah, right. He wasn't really a superstar. He was mm-hmm. he was good for the Leafs. Keon Sittler, Horton, Bauer, Boris Salming. Those names all come up, mm-hmm. right? But they all come up with equal like Wendell billing. Clark. I yeah. would say Wendell Clark, yeah. There's no one that is, is <laughs> a merited, though. runaway it, slam dunk. Isn't it kind of like the conversation we'd have in Vancouver? Like, and this is before, actually with Quinn Hughes, right? Like, is Quinn Hughes already the greatest defenseman in Canucks history? Similar conversation. And, and then people will be like, I think he might be. And, and that says a lot about the Canucks franchise. Yes, history absolutely. Of, history of defensemen. Yeah. And now, I mean, but you can't. Um, ignore the fact that it's a totally legitimate conversation to have with Matthews. Mm-hmm. Because if you look at the scoring rates that he's on, barring a catastrophic injury, he's probably going to challenge for all the significant franchise marks when it's all said and done. The question is, is and again, it's because he surpassed McKinnon mm-hmm. as the highest paid player in hockey, 
everyone's like, okay, well, now it's the Stanley Cup because what does McKinnon have that Matthews doesn't? The Stanley Cup. Uh, Aaron from Quitlam, who is a Leafs fan, texts in, Matthews is displaying the confidence to bet on himself. I wonder if McDavid and Pedersen are taking notes with the four-year term. I see both as comparable players who will command comparable salaries. Could this be a new trend? And then Aaron adds, go Leafs, go. I disagree with those last three words of go Leafs, go, but I do wonder if this is going to be a trend. Now, I think the one thing that would stop a trend is if a guy like Matthews takes this contract and then suffers like a really bad injury, right? Or has his play drop off for whatever reason. And then all of a sudden, you're looking at a situation where people are saying, well, I wasn't like now people are saying, oh, he's so savvy, right? Mm-hmm. Like he was really thinking about his career. He's not just taking the maximum money available to him right now. He's, he's laying out a plan. Well, everyone loves a plan until the plan blows up in your face, right? Yep. Um, now it might be like, you know, let's say something happens, right? I don't want it to happen, but let's say something happens, right? And then people are like, ooh, he could have made $100 million more if he just, you know, sure. taken the long-term deal or whatever it is. I don't know if it's $100 million, but but something along those lines, right? Yep. Uh, we'll talk to J.D. Bunkus about this at 7 o'clock because he's going to be joining us uh, right after he's off the air, Fan 590 in Toronto, J.D. Bunkus podcast and Leafs talk. We'll talk about that contract and then what happens with William Nylander, the core four, et cetera, et cetera. But there was other big news yesterday in the National Hockey League, and that was because uh, Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly at the European Player Media Tour overseas did say that the NHL is working with the NHLPA to create an international competition schedule, specifically the return of the World Cup of Hockey in February of 2025 and regular Olympic participation moving forward, which I assume would begin with the 2026 Olympics in Italy. Big news because you love your international hockey. And then it would go like every two years. Correct. So what is it, 2000? What's the, when's the next Winter Olympics? 26 Olympics. So, yeah, then, 28 then World Cup of Hockey. 28 and... World Cup, et cetera, et cetera, on and on, um, which is the way it should be, which is the way it is, for example, if you're like Halford and I are England supporters in soccer, and we know that every four years there's a World Cup, but also every four years there's a Euro, mm-hmm. right? And it's awesome, right? Because every two years – you get this terrific international tournament, and England breaks your heart. Correct. Well, you, you, know, you can count on it, right? Yeah. Um, now, this thing still has a ways to go um, because of two factors. Number one is the Russia factor. We don't know if they're going to be allowed to participate um, in the World Cup or the Olympics. Um John uh, John Daly, Bill Daly, the deputy commissioner of the NHL. John Daly's the deputy commissioner of yeah, good times. Yeah. <laughs> Bill Daly seems to be just saying like, well, we're going to let the IOC lead on this. And this is weird, but you might want to watch what happens in the 2024 summer games in Paris, even right. though there's summer games, to see what might happen with Russian players in the World Cup or obviously the Olympics, um, because uh, Daly said uh, the IOC has made some public statements that indicate to me that they're going to try very hard to include Russian athletes on some basis. So yeah. it might be one of those situations that we've seen before where there are Russian athletes, but you're not allowed to play under the Russian flag or the Russian banner, which is basically the IOC's way of saying, 
you know, depending on how you look at it, we want all the best athletes in the world at the Olympics. We don't want to keep any of them out or, um, uh, you know, we're, we're going to cow to Russia on this, right? Like it depends how, 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 how you look at that. Mm -hmm. Um, or we don't want to be unfair to these athletes that have worked very hard just because their leader is, you know, Vladimir Putin. Yeah. Um, the other question is the format of the world cup. Mm -hmm. And Daly said, like, I I don't know exactly what form it's going to take. The goal is to make it an international competition of some sort. And this is the key part here. It's going to obviously be heavily NHL centric in terms of the player base, maybe entirely NHL. We'll see what form it takes, but that's something we're working on with the players association. So, one thing you have to remember about this is this this is going to be a joint I'm talking about the World Cup. This is going to be a joint operation between the NHL and the NHLPA. So they don't have a huge incentive to bring in players that aren't even in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Cuz then they got to pay them, right? And these guys are that aren't in the NHL, they're not in the NHLPA. And that is one of the big reasons despite how it was spun that we saw the format of the last World Cup when there was, you know, Team Europe which comprised a bunch of countries. Um, There was the Young Guns team that was comprised of Canadians and Americans. It was basically a way to get a tournament where all the players are in the NHL and there aren't any NHL stars left out of the tournament, right? And it was a stupid format. And right? they still had to have non-NHL players in that tournament. There was only a handful of Not them. Not many of them, though. I know, but for the Not countries that didn't yeah. couldn't have a full roster, mm-hmm. what are you going to do? You have to have yeah. players that are outside. The, it was, look, the 26- But there was, no, there was no Team Switzerland. There was no Team Germany. They were all comprised in Team Europe mm-hmm. to maximize the amount of NHL players and minimize the amount of non-NHL players. Yep. Now, I, I hated that World Cup. Because I didn't think it, it was an exhibition series. Because it didn't mean anything, right? You had, you know, like, was McDavid was part of that. when He was, like, on Matthew's team, right? The so you had, guys. like, these really great young players, but they weren't even playing for their country. So you can't even, you couldn't even say at the end of that tournament, it's like, oh, Canada's on top of get, top again, right? Because the Americans were actually, and I know the Canadians were handicapped a little bit, but I think the Americans were, were handicapped more, in that tournament. Um, and it's, it was just, it was dumb. Like if you like exhibition hockey, you might've enjoyed it. But for me, I was like waiting for that next tournament of like, who's the best in the world. Let's play some high stakes hockey here. So what kind of formula are we going to see in 2025? I hope that it's a more traditional tournament. I hope that they expand beyond, you know, focusing entirely on NHL players, but I understand why they wouldn't. Bottom line, at the end of the day, though, with this story, I'm stoked that they got uh, alignment between the union and the league, that it was very clear when we talked to Marty Walsh, the NHLPA, the new head who ate on the show a couple months ago, that uh, a regular Olympic, a regular international schedule and a return to the Olympics was a big deal for the players. Mm-hmm. They wanted it. The NHL, I think, has realized that even though it's an uncomfortable and at times unfair alliance, with the IOC and the Olympics that you have to go, that you can't, you can create. So you're your more own. stoked for the Olympics, 100%. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
And it's great. I think that, I am too until until we see what this World Cup is. This is the best marriage I think of ideas because the NHL is getting what it wants, its own tournament that they can control and market and make money from. Yeah, they're still going to get to go to the Olympics, and as you pointed out, you are getting that calendar where, like international football fans, you get a big competition every two years. Mm-hmm. Great. I think the idea is perfect. Hopefully, the execution is good. Uh, I do want to touch on a couple baseball stories before we go to break. Jay's shut out yet again. Do you have the number in front of you how many times the Jays have been shut out this season? Because I don't. Laddie, do you know it off the top of your head? Laddie's just sad, shaking his head. A 7 nothing loss to the Baltimore Orioles yesterday. I don't have all season, but Sportsnet stats had the Blue Jays are shut out for the eighth time since June 19th. Eight shutout losses in their last 54 games equal their total for all of 2022. And it's not – I think it's not just that they were shut out. It was once again like – they fooled, they tricked their fans into thinking that the bats might be coming around, right? Because mm-hmm. they had a couple of offensive explosions, yep. and then then they're just like back to the same old, same old. Uh, they are wasting, they're hitting too many home runs in single games. Like, they don't need to hit five in one game. They could take a couple of those and move them to another game. Brandon Belt doesn't need to hit two in one game. He can hit one every single game. That's baseball. That's strategy. Anyway, so the Jays lose. They employ a hitting strategist, too. To like spread out the home runs. Apparently, we got to talk to that guy. He's yeah. not doing a good job. He told so, him not to hit home runs. Apparently, <laughs> the Jays lose seven nothing. That was a kick in the teeth, not just because they wasted a good performance from Kevin Gossman, I thought, but uh, the Mariners lost yesterday. Finally, the Mariners, who had won eight in a row in a very weird fashion, mm-hmm. lost and got walked off by the White Sox, and the Yankees won, which is weird. We've got some Brian Cashman audio that we can play. Did you watch the entirety of his presser yesterday? No, no. Brian Cashman, general manager of the. New York Yankees is in the middle of a disaster season. And I can say that because he said it was a disaster and he swore twice, twice during his presser. He was very animated. He was dropping, dropping curse words everywhere, left and right. He's probably going to get fired, right? He was talking like he was going to be responsible for turning this around. I was like, Brian, I don't think so. (laughs) If I know anything about the Yankees, you're done. Like, this is a great presser that you're holding here, but it might be one of your last. So those have been. Oh, by the way, maybe the biggest baseball news of yesterday is that Shohei Otani suffered a tear in his UCL, and he's not going to pitch again this season. This came in a game yesterday in which, surprise, the Angels lost yet again. Oh, Otani went yard at the plate. I think it was his 44th home run of the year. And then exited the game that he was pitching and hitting uh, in the second inning with what they initially called arm fatigue. Mm. But then they realized that it was his UCL that was fatigued to the point where it had a tear. Well, we can talk uh, with Dan Shulman about the Jays, the Mariners, the Yankees, Otani, FIBA, World Basketball. That's coming up next on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Missing the Canucks? Subscribe to the Canucks Central Podcast and get alerts for breaking news episodes. Daily shows return in September. on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour one of the program. Dan Shulman is going to join us in just a moment here. Hour one of this program is brought to you by Johnstone's Barbecues. You don't pay more to shop with the experts at Johnstone's. They're open five days a week with two locations to serve you. Visit them online at johnstones.com. 
To the phone lines we go. He is the voice of the Toronto Blue Jays. He is going to be the voice of Canada basketball at the upcoming FIBA World Cup. Dan Shulman now on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, Dan. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, we're good. Thanks for taking the time to do this. It's a, it's a busy time, and we've got two fronts in which we're going to discuss. We're going to start with the baseball and the Toronto Blue Jays. And the Blue Jays were shut out. This is such a weird stat. For the eighth time since June 19th yesterday in that 7 nothing loss to the Orioles. That's the most in Major League Baseball. Three of the shutout losses have come in starts made by Kevin Gossman. Now, I feel like the answer to this is going to be, well, that's baseball because it is just a sort of weird, random stat. But Jason and I were talking about this earlier. It's got to be frustrating for Blue Jays fans who watch this team at times put a bunch of runs on the boards and go yard repeatedly in a single game. But, you know, eight shutouts since June 19th. It's a very peculiar stat, Dan. I imagine calling these games, it must be a little odd to watch and call as well. Yeah, I mean, we've, you know, we've seen so many of them by now that, unfortunately, you're kind of used to it. I mean, eight shutouts since June 19th, none before June 19th. Uh, Not that they were great offensively the first two and a half months, although they were really good in April, but didn't get shut out once for, like, the first 70 games or whatever it is of the season, and now... Eight times since. Unfortunately for Gosman, they don't score any runs for him. It always, or it often seems to happen in his games. But big picture, it's just kind of perplexing. And it is a little bit of that's baseball. But, you know, they scored, they hit five homers and scored 10 runs Sunday. Um, they get six runs, including the huge home run from Belt uh, on Tuesday to win as exciting a game, I thought, as they had played all year. It felt like a playoff game. And then they get nothing going last night. Only had one runner in scoring position the whole game, and that was in the first inning. And it's just kind of the story of the season. Like, the pitching staff's great. It really is. Um, But the offense has just been so, I don't even want to say inconsistent. It's just been so average this year when it was supposed to be better than this. And it doesn't have to be top five in the majors for them to be great. They just, you know, they could all just kind of do what they've done in the past, but unfortunately for three or four guys, that hasn't been the case all season. Yeah, Gosman said after the game, we're just waiting for that big stretch. We've kind of been waiting for that all year. Is it going to happen? I don't know. I mean, these things are impossible to predict, but we've seen what a big stretch uh, can do for a team like the Seattle Mariners. All of a sudden, everything changes in the wild card race. Uh, what do you make of the Mariners? Uh, I mean, Julio Rodriguez had that incredible four-game stretch, obviously, and Seattle's doing what they have to do. They're, they've taken... Um, you know, advantage of kind of an easier part of their schedule and they're winning games. But, you know, you, you can only play who's in front of you. Um, the Blue Jays have that stretch coming up starting next week. They've got Washington, Colorado, Oakland, Kansas City in succession. They've got to go 9-3, and 10-2 and two or something like that in those 12 games. You know, for the Jays, basically they have to catch one of Seattle, Houston, and Texas. Uh, and obviously there are some games remaining between those three teams because they're all division rivals. But um, I give Seattle credit, even after trading Seawall, they're, they're still doing well. And you know what? I think back to the, the three-game series the Blue Jays had out there. They blew leads in the first two games. Um, the first one, I think they were up like 7-2 to two or 7-3 to three and, and gave it up. And then the second game, I think it was a 3-2 to two game. They gave up a run in the seventh, a run in the eighth, a run in the ninth. So because of that, they're 3-3 three and three against the Mariners, and they'll lose the tiebreaker with Seattle because the second tiebreaker is your own division record. Mm-hmm. If the Blue Jays had managed to win just one of those two games, first of all, they'd be ahead of Seattle in the standings, and secondly, they'd have the tiebreaker. And 
you know, every game counts. And, and like Kevin Gosman said, uh, I mean, there needs to be urgency in August, July, June, May, April. Like, they all count. And, and for a team that, you know, missed out on the playoffs by a game a couple of years ago and hasn't won a playoff game in this stretch, um, you know, urgency is a funny thing. Like, who of us can really know what's going on in the room and in their minds right. when they're standing at the plate, right? But But it is... Like, it's been go time for a while for this team. And it'll be a big, big disappointment if they don't make the playoffs. I know what urgency looks like in hockey. Like, yeah. get in on the forecheck. Hit, hit, hit. Check, check, check. Be hard on the puck. What would urgency look like in baseball? It's a great question because you can see it in basketball, football, and hockey, as you said. Baseball's not that kind of sport. It's not a, uh, you know, sometimes try easier is better than try harder or something like that. Um you know, if they start hitting, does that mean they're playing with urgency? I, I don't think so. So I get what <laughs> Kevin is saying, but maybe he's trying to tell us something we don't see, that there's something going on behind the scenes that we don't see. You hope all 26 guys are really, really invested in this team making the playoffs. Um, but right. it, it, that's that's one of the great unknowns about baseball, and I'm always careful about delving too far into that because it is murkier and it is – um, you know, I, I only get a tiny peek behind the, I'm closer than most and I only get a tiny peek behind the curtain. So, um, you know, urgency, I guess would be, it, it, it's hard to say. I mean, is it emotion on the field? Is it a guy taking an extra base and, you know, in a really key spot, like it's little things here and there. Urgency is great. Hits are great, you know, and it's what they need right now are hits and, and, um, you know, again, Baltimore's really good, and they got Cleveland next. Their pitching is really good, and it's 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 just the fact that they haven't they just haven't hit. And and when a team doesn't hit, they look flat. You know, you know, if you lose nine to eight, you don't look flat. You just look like you don't have good pitching. Mm-hmm. When you're losing and getting shut out, everything looks flat. So maybe that's what Gosman's talking about. Dan, uh, the last time you took a tiny peek behind the curtain, did you happen to see Alec Manoa? And if you did, what was he doing? Nope. And so I'll tell you, we, we've talked about it on the air about three times, I guess, over the last three games. All we know is, uh, at least as of last night, he has not reported to Buffalo. He is or was as of yesterday in Toronto. And uh, John Schneider and I understand, like, whatever's going on, we don't know what it is. And, you know, John Schneider has said they're trying to determine the next steps um, or what's what's best in terms of his throwing program or something like that. It's they're very general comments. This is highly unusual, obviously, but I don't know what it is, and I'm not going to speculate. So um, all I know is it's not typical. It's not ideal. And if, you know, tonight Jose Barrios takes a comeback or off the knee and they need a, another starter five, six days from now, it's not going to be Manoa. It can't be. He hasn't thrown in two weeks. So it's probably going to be Bowden Francis. At some point, I would imagine – the story comes out, and it probably comes out from the Blue Jays themselves. So uh, I don't know what else to say because literally I have no idea what it is. We're speaking to Dan Schulman, play-by-play voice of the Toronto Blue Jays and Team Canada at the FIBA World Cup here on the Hoffman Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. I mentioned double duty, Dan. Um, how's your travel schedule this week? Because things get underway. Now, you're not going to Jakarta for this right. tournament, which is probably – a good thing because that would be very yeah. difficult travel coming back for that. But um, what on a personal level, what's it going to be like for you over the next little bit? Because the games kind of come fast and furious here yeah. at the FIBA World Cup. You've also got a very important stretch of Toronto Blue Jays coming uh, games right. coming up. Yeah. So I I'm very fortunate that I uh, and whether it's Joe Siddle or Buck or Buck Martinez, we travel on the team charter. So that 
that helps. So the game ends tonight at like 10 o'clock and we'll probably be in the air at midnight and I'll probably be in my house at about 2.30 in the morning tonight. So um, the first game is 9.30, all times Eastern, all times Toronto time I've given you. So the first game is 9.30 in the morning. So I will try to sneak into the house quietly so as not to wake up my wife, son, or dog and get about four hours of sleep. And then the first Canada game is at 9.30 in the morning tomorrow. And then I'll probably go home and sleep a couple hours after that and then do the Jays at night. And it'll be double duty for about the first six days. Uh, Canada plays every second day. So three of the next six, I'll have two games, three of the next six, just Jays. And then I'm not going on the road trip with the Jays to Colorado and Oakland. The only thing that makes this work is that the games are in Indonesia and the Philippines. So the time zones uh, make it work. Like if the games were in uh, New York, I couldn't do this because the Jays in Canada would conflict, right? So I'm not going on the Colorado-Oakland road trip with the Jays. So for those six or seven days, just Canada, assuming Canada is still going. And then the Jays come back home after that, kind of at like semifinal final time for the World Cup. So if Canada, maybe even the quarterfinals, I'm not exactly sure. But if Canada is still going, then I'll be doing double duty. We're, we're only, uh, our crew is only broadcasting the Canada games. So uh, I think Sportsnet is picking up some um, of the other meaningful games, but using like the world feed. So um, yeah, I'll have some double duty, but in terms of travel, um, actually, once I get to Toronto, I'm going to be in Toronto for like two and a half weeks, which I think is a personal record for me. So uh, <laughs> that, that's kind of nice. So yeah, I just need a little sleep and a little coffee and enough shirts that I've ironed, and we're good to go. Yeah, do you ever get to the end? Although you mentioned coffee, I was going to be like, what's your secret? Like, do you ever get to the end of like the second game and you're like, I am mentally fried? Sometimes. I, I mean, uh, this is unusual. I'm not going to lie, but this is not the hardest thing I've done. When I did the Olympics for CBC in 2021, Tokyo Olympics, we did them from Toronto, and those games were in Japan, obviously. So you're dealing with crazy hours, and I did men's and women's basketball. So in a 24-hour period, we did usually two, occasionally three. So I would have, I don't remember the exact windows, but sometimes like an 11.40 p.m. and a 3.20 a.m. game. <laughs> and then maybe the third game would be at like 8.40 a.m. because that's like 9.40 p.m. or something in Japan, whatever it is. So that that was legit. That was legit hard. I mean, this will be challenging, but um, you know, I'm used to doing doubleheaders in college basketball. I do that a lot in the pre some of the early season tournaments and the ACC tournament. So, um, and, and I've done Major League Baseball doubleheaders, right? 18 innings of baseball. So you get a little fried after that too. But I love my job. It beats working for a living. There are yes. millions of people who have um, more physically, uh, you know, taxing jobs than mine, and and um, um, I wanted this, like, uh, you know, I went to Sportsnet and said, I would love to do this. And I think I can do this. And here's the schedule. Here are the times. Will you let me do this? And, and I want to thank my bosses at Sportsnet for letting me do it because, uh, I'm excited. So, um, I'm kind of a one cup of coffee a day guy. I think I might break my rule a little bit over the next couple of weeks, but it's all going to be fine. So wow, one cup of coffee, man. Yeah. Um, you must be excited for this too. Can you help us set expectations for Canada, the FIBA World Cup? Like, sure. should, should we be like, they should get to the Olympics or should we be like, they could get to the Olympics? I would say they could because of the draw. The draw is hard. Um, so for people who don't know, 32 countries are there. Seven will get um, automatic bids into the Olympics, but it's not the top seven finishers. It's based on geography two from the Americas, two from Europe, one from Africa, one from Asia, one from Oceania, which is basically saying, Australia, you're in. 
unless New Zealand pulls off the uh, the upset of the century. So Canada's got to be one of the top two finishers amongst the seven Americas countries who were there. Not to concede anything to the United States, but realistically, it's the United States. So can Canada do better than all of the other the other five Americas countries? Um, unfortunately for Canada, extremely tough draw. In a group with France, if they get to the second round, which they should, would likely play Spain. So you're talking about two of the top four or five are in Canada's quarter, if you will, eight out of 32 in the grouping. Only two of those three can get to the quarterfinals. I think for Canada to make the Olympics, they're going to have to get to the quarterfinals because the Dominican, firstly, is better than people realize they are. They have Carl Anthony Towns playing for them. And they have they are in the weakest pool, just the way it worked out. Um, the Philippines is the host country, kind of gets anointed with a one seat, if you know what I mean, when they're sorting out the pools. So, you know, instead of being in a pool with Spain or France or Australia or the U.S., the Dominican is in with the Philippines. Uh, big break. So they've got a much easier path to the quarterfinals than Canada does. So um, if Canada is going to get to the quarterfinals, in all likelihood, they're going to have to beat either Spain, either France or Spain um, and be four and one after those first five games. If they do that, if they get to the quarters, I love their chances because by that point, the Dominican would run into somebody really good. Maybe mm-hmm. the U.S., maybe Serbia um, and Canada. You know, you just take your chances at that point. Um, yes, they've got seven NBA players. If it was as simple as, hey, whoever has the most NBA players wins, this would be simple. It's not. They they have some great strengths. They have a couple of weaknesses. They don't have great depth up front, and they don't have great outside shooting. I think for them to do well, they're going to have to play great defense and get out in transition and get layups and you know beat teams, beat teams that way. They've got Shea Gilgis Alexander, one of the five best players in this tournament, if not one of the five best players in the world. They've got R.J. Barrett. They got a couple of great defenders in Dylan Brooks and Lou Dort, et cetera, et cetera. They've got a really, really good team. I would feel more confident if they had Jamal Murray. Unfortunately, that didn't work out, but they still have a really good team. The game against France tomorrow is enormous. If they win it, um, they'll beat Lebanon, and I think they can beat Latvia. And if they get into the second round 3-0, and because your record carries over, if they get into the second round 3-0, and and they would likely face Spain and Brazil – even if they split those, and they should be able to beat Brazil, mm-hmm. they're likely in the quarters. But if they lose to France, then it's almost a must-win for them to beat Spain in the second round. So it's uh, <laughs> the only other country I think that might be as, man, did we get a tough draw, is France. Like, France is not happy about having Canada in their pool, right? These are two great basketball teams who are in the same group. So we'll see what happens, but tomorrow's a huge, huge game. What kind of team are the Americans bringing over, and could they possibly get tripped up? They could. I mean, they finished seventh last time at the World Cup. And the funny thing about the World Cup is, I, and, and I know in North America, Americans and Canadians fixate much, 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 much more on the Olympics. For most of the world, the World Cup is actually the bigger deal. You know, think about it in the soccer terms, right? It's kind of like that. So um, the U.S. can get tripped up. You know, Canada, at least, you've got guys who have played together in FIBA before, Kelly Olynyk. Dwight Powell, you know, guys, Melvin Edgem, who's going to come off the bench and be important for this team, guys who have played a lot of FIBA basketball. The U.S. has younger guys and much less FIBA experience, but they've got young stars. They've got uh, Jalen Brunson and Anthony Edwards, who was just a a monster in their tune-up games. 
and Tyrese Halliburton and Brandon Ingram and Jaron Jackson Jr. These are really good young NBA players and really well coached. They've got an excellent coaching staff too. They could get tripped up. I don't see how it would ever happen before the quarterfinals. Like I can't see any way they wouldn't at least get that far. So um, the U.S. and Canada, by the way, could not meet until the semifinals. Um, or if they were to both lose in a quarterfinal, they could meet in like a 5-8 or 6-7 game, that, right. that sort of thing, because the U.S. is on the other half of the draw from Canada. But could they get tripped up? Yes, but um, I, don't, I don't see it happening. I think they are a legitimate threat to win this thing, along with about five or six other countries. Like, like Australia is great. Germany's really good. There are yeah. a lot of good countries around the world. Unfortunately for Canada, again, most of them are on their half of the draw. So I, I think it's fairly wide open. But if you're Canada, you, can, you can't even worry about, like, take a peek at what's going on. But, um, you know, there's so much you can't control because there are eight different groups. You, you know, they just got to be thinking about Rudy Gobert and Evan Fournier and guys like that that they're going to see tomorrow. So I know that there was a, a pretty good pre, sort of pre-tournament schedule here with the DBB Super Cup and the friendlies and everything. So you got a pretty decent look at what's going to happen on the floor, but with the departure of Jamal Murray, uh, who takes on, who shoulders the biggest added responsibility with Murray out of the mix? Well, I mean, the easy answer answer is Shea Gilgis-Alexander because he shoulders a huge responsibility, but I think kind of the sneaky answer is a guy named Trey Bell Haynes, who is the backup point guard on this team. Um, Corey Joseph was in training camp briefly, but is not on the team, and it sounds like it was kind of mutual agreement between um, Canada and Corey Joseph. And it, it's interesting to me because he was at camp and I don't know, maybe they said to him, you know, Corey, your role would be very limited on this team. I, I don't know exactly. Or if there was a bit of a health issue, but Corey Joseph's not there. And another guy they would have loved to have had is Kevin Pangos, who is a terrific FIBA player. He's played briefly in the NBA, but mostly all around Europe for the last eight, nine years. And he's a great FIBA point guard. Um, they, so they don't have arguably like their second, third, fourth kind of options. So Trey Bell Haynes, who's very good, he plays um, at a high level um, in, in Europe, and he has played for Canada before. He played a ton in the qualifier game. I think played nine of the 12. He's going to be Shea Gilgis-Alexander's backup. So he'll get 10, 12 minutes a game, I believe. Um, another guy I think is Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who can play the point, but is better at the two, I think. And he's a good shooter, and Canada needs good shooters. So I'm kind of looking at that bench unit. When they go to the second unit, which has been Trey Bell Haynes, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. By the way, we lead the world in hyphenated names. That I know for sure. If that, if that was a criteria, we'd be in the Olympics. Already. Um, Lugans Dort, who's going to be another very important player, a monster of a defender, just a great great defender melvin edgem like a FIBA lifer uh but an undersized foreman at six six and then kyle alexander or zach Eady at the five that's the second unit so i think the canadian starters can play with just about anybody in the world is the second unit able to kind of keep it there whatever the lead is or whatever the situation is at the time you know they've had a few weeks they played five games they beat germany they beat spain yeah. They also lost to Germany and lost to the Dominican in, the, in some of the friendlies, but they sat a lot of the starters. They sat the starters for the second half against the Dominican. So we'll see. I think they've had enough time. I think they've got a good culture and, and good camaraderie from everything um, I can determine. 
it's a funny game though, right? Like just like baseball, sometimes you hit one to the wall, like Kevin Biggio did last night. Sometimes it goes over by a foot. Sometimes the three ball goes in. Sometimes it doesn't. And this team does not have like dead eye shooters all over the floor. So, um, you know, hopefully they don't have one of those days where the three ball just doesn't go down and, and that costs you. They might need to find other ways to score. And that's why I think defense is so important. Get some steals, get out in transition, get some layups. Yeah, play with some urgency. Urgency. Yes. urgency. Yes, no, we need urgency to, is always yeah, important. We need to see urgency. Yeah, we need to see urgency. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Dan, this was great. <laughs> we really appreciate you taking the time. I know it's about to get busy for you, but I know it's also a lot of fun. So enjoy it all. Uh, let's try and do this again as the tournament gets underway. All right, guys. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. Thanks, Thanks. Dan. That's Dan Shulman, the play-by-play voice of the Toronto Blue Jays, the play-by-play voice of Canada basketball at the upcoming FIBA World Cup, which gets underway tomorrow. Our show coincides with the Canada-France game. It's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, good. You're going to be super distracted. I'm, I'm already going to – I'm going to – after the show, I'm going to go ask our program director, Cam Barra, if – because we're the, the – Right, if we're allowed r- to talk holder. about it? No, no, no. If we're allowed to cut in. Like, let's oh, say there's a really good finish between Canada oh, and France. Oh, the game, I'm sure we are allowed to. Okay, I'll play the entire fourth quarter. I'll just sit here and uh, – that's great. That's a win-win for me. Remember yeah, like, when, we, when we, we nearly invited a massive lawsuit when we essentially did play-by-play for the women at the Olympics? I got caught up in the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't have done that. The IOC frowns upon you live calling a broadcast, in which you do not hold the rights to. Uh, J.D. Bunkus is going to join us next to talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, Austin Matthews, is signed. Uh, so we'll talk about that deal. It's a short-term deal, and we'll talk about what else the Leafs might have to do in order to get out of the second round. That's the new goal, get out of the second round for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Right. You're listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.